going on 14. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. <laughs> I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And we are four of the top five guys who peaked without realizing it and then got sad when we found out. Hey, wait, I he's talking about us. I, I don't want to wait. I peaked. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I thought I, I still out. had time. I was staring. I never peeked. I feel like I just found out my report's due on Monday. See, they're sad now. Oh. No, I've known for years that my peak has long been yeah, no. Well, well, that's the thing is, yeah, the, the, it's a top five, the, but Pat's name is on there twice. Oh. <laughs> He's four and five. I had two peaks at least. <laughs> yeah. Eighth grade and senior year, huh? I'll take it. If you have, well, I don't know why you would pick up on that. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, High Fidelity, uh, the year 2000 uh, John Cusack movie, and then the Zoe Kravitz TV show that just released uh, not too long ago on Hulu. Hulu! There's some kind of cool trivia on that, too. So, If you like cool trivia, you'll probably find some if you listen to the awesome shows on the Podcast Collective, such as I Am Salt Lake, The Dog and Deuce Show, the Empty Rant Podcast, perhaps the Portland Beer Club Podcast, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. You realize that's the first good lead-in I've gotten in like nine weeks? Well, considering the last show was butts. It was an accident. If you like bad lead-ins, uh, <laughs> check some of our older stuff out. There's hey. plenty of them. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, wrong. I, definitely not wrong. iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com. And uh, if you like to give us a call back, let us know what's going on. If you have an idea for a show or just want to yell at Pat and tell him something inspiring. I don't know. I don't know how I would help him, but uh, it's 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And what about Discord? Yeah, there's a lot of conversation going on Discord, considering we are still trapped Trapped in our houses. They're all trapped here with me. <laughs> well, like R. Kelly, we're trapped in a closet till April 7th. I almost went for that joke, and I thank you for putting the canary <laughs> into the coal mine. Now I see what a bad idea it would have been. Nice police reference. Or just a mining reference. Eh, Josh isn't into miners. I got the black Oh, <laughs> uh, I was going Zoolander, but I... Suddenly yeah. it dawned on me what happened there. <laughs> yeah. Joel got off a of funny and it caught Pat by surprise. Right? From downtown. <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> no, no. We already talked about this before the show. Oh, We're on fire. <laughs> There's a callback, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you haven't, I'm sure I'm still going to be doing this by the time this show comes out because I've started to make it a thing. I'm going back in time and reposting some of our older shows on our Facebook chat. So uh, this last week I posted because now we're coming up on 300 and we're in the 300s now. So soon we'll be able to post a new show, a retro show every day. Um, Uh, That'd be crazy. Yeah. About another year we'll have 365 of them. So. And with people on lockdown, you know, what better way to spend some of your time than going back and revisiting some old catalog? Yeah, I posted the um, uh, Italian job show, which I did not realize how far back that went, because that just seems like yesterday to me. I mean, right. making like the, the putting it together. That was before we had like an official theme music. 
That's yeah, you remember crazy. the other day when I was when or a few shows back when I was trying to get you guys to guess how far ago a jaw was? Yeah, let me start that <laughs> I'm gonna start that over without without a stroke. Patrick's been by himself so long his language <laughs> is reverted. Remember a few uh shows ago when I was telling you guys about I was trying to, you know Oh my god. Do you remember Did you like <laughs> a few shows ago I was trying to tell you guys about a show? I was like you you won't believe how long ago the show was because it feels like it was just the other day. And then you guys pissed me off and I wouldn't tell you what show I was talking about. It was the Italian job show. <laughs> I was trying to get the answer out before Michael McDonald queued up. Because <laughs> could you see it coming? I could yeah. hear you typing. I was like, damn it. Here it goes. I hear John's sigh and the typing kicks in. You knew it was what a fool believes just by the timing of when I started talking. That's awesome. Yep. I was like, I gotta get this out real quick. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh. Uh, Title of your sex tape? Maybe. Are we still doing phrasing? I think it's about that time. I'm cool if we're doing phrasing. Just need to know. This week in music, movies, and TV. All right, so this week we're going with March 31st, 2000, the release of the original High Fidelity. Speaking of music, the number one song in the land was Say My Name by Destiny's Child. I legitimately love that song. That is a great song. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that Beyonce has done that I'm not a huge fan of. The guy, I'm neutral or act, actively dislike, but that, that song by Destiny's Child is a legitimately great pop song. She's a talented person, though. Definitely. Yeah, she's got, time. but I don't. I don't share the love for this song. It's an okay song in my eyes. In my eyes, there's a good song. In your eyes, no, no sting. Yeah. All right. After violating a prior probation agreement by getting drunk, old dirty bastard, aka Peanut the Kidnapper, ODB, Little Billy Clinton, Rusty, Dirt McGirt, Joe Bananas, Freeloading Rusty, Dirt Schultz, Big Baby Jesus, and Knifey McStab, was ordered on March 27th to undergo a 90-day diagnostic evaluation at the California Institute for Men in Chino, California. What just happened there? <laughs> I had to give all those AKAs. Wu-Tang Clan is for the children. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little impressed. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. Such a, such a moment of control. I think I know one Wu-Tang Clan song. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with? No. Nah, well, okay. I, go, I guess I know two songs, but I, I literally, <laughs> that's like the only words to that song that I know. So, no, the other one is one that plays on the radio at work all the time. Thuggish something, the ruggish, thuggish, buggish, duggish bone or whatever. I don't know. That's so thugs in harmony. Okay, well then that's not even Wu-Tang, so I guess I don't know any Wu-Tang. <laughs> well, now you know one. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. You still okay, one. I know one Wu-Tang song. I don't know. I don't give a shit about the Wu-Tang clan or bone thugs in harmony, actually, for that matter. Well, when I worked at the record store, Topical, I learned a lot about the Wu-Tang clan, including ODB and all of his other names. I would say I'm actually a casual fan of both Wu-Tang and uh, Bone thugs and harmony Like, I, I don't care enough about them to, like, defend their honor when Pat says he doesn't like them. But, like, I like them. They're all right. Yeah. Wu-Tang gave us Red Method and Red, so, um, and mm-hmm. Risen Jizza. I like them as people. I mean, I've liked a lot of the, the work they've done in films and stuff, but, I mean, I just don't care for their music. All right. So, on April 1st, Ted Nugent angered Hispanic groups in Texas after onstage remarks he made during a concert in Houston in which he says that those who did not speak English should get out of America. 
He is banned from the venue as a result. I've been to that venue. It was the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion in the Woodlands. Hmm. Were, were you at that show? No. I am not a big enough Ted Nugent fan to go see him in concert. Yeah, I'm not. I can't say I'm a fan. We, He's another one. Yeah, I know like two of his songs. We covered Stranglehold in one of the bands I was in, but that was it's about my Ted Nugent. That and Cat Scratch Fever. Yeah. Yep. I, I think I might know one or two more songs, but I'm not a fan either. I mean, those are good songs, and all. Don't get me wrong. I just I'm, I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars to go see you know a guy do two songs I like. Right. <laughs> play Stranglehold again. <laughs> I might as well pay to go see Sean Colvin in concert. Oh, well, topical. Of which, on April sixth, <laughs> Sean Colvin, James Taylor, Cindy Lauper, Richard Thompson, Elton John, Winona Judd, Katie Lang, Brian Adams, and Mary Chapin Carpenter perform in New York as part of a tribute to Joni Mitchell. God bless Joni Mitchell. Eh. I love eh. her. I'm a fan of Joni Mitchell. I'm just not a fan of too many of the people there that covered. I like I liked Cindy Lauper and Elton John. I like Richard Thompson. Elton John was part of my childhood. Katie well, Lyons. yeah, I said Delta John. Yeah, for sure. I like James Taylor a lot. Yeah, I could take or leave James Taylor and Brian Adams. Yeah, he's good to go to sleep, too. Yay. <laughs> All right, moving on to movies, then. The number one movie in the land was Aaron Brockovich, starring Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. Topical with last show we did. Yeah, that is the, that's a pretty okay-ish movie. I've never seen it. Same here. Seen it a couple times. I, there's a bunch of Julia Roberts movies that I don't care for, and and that's like it, it rises above the midline of anything below this point. I don't like. I never. I didn't. I was thinking about seeing it, but then I saw the the quick video of her in that um, Lonely Island video, and just kind of looked freaky to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Me either. Are you talking about when Michael Bolton dressed as Aaron Brockovich? Yeah, I was hoping one of you guys were going to pick up on that one. but Yeah, okay. It took me a while to figure that one out. Was... Okay. All right. Note to self-edit out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not editing. Oh, I'm going to edit that shit out. He'll <laughs> <laughs> get that one. When he gets the final product, he's like, I'm going to just go in here and surgically remove this. What was the it? one no, time I... he fixed it in post. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, movies released this week included High Fidelity, The Skulls, and the acronym of the week, TRTED, which I'm pretty sure stands for Tim Robbins Tries Erectile Dif- Dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> just try it on for size. Yeah, just try it out, you know. He wants to be in or out, you know. Uh, boo. Uh, nope, sorry. Once again, that was wrong. There's the road to El Dorado. He'll get it one day. Someday. I don't know. Erectile dysfunction? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. I like the Road to El Dorado. I thought it was. It's it's getting a cult following now. Yeah. I saw it at the theater. I mean, because initially it was just like Kevin Klein and uh, who's the other guy? And Margaret. No. And Canfield. Even more wrong. I I don't know. I think I saw this. I think I saw this movie once. Sam Elliott. No, Sam Elliott. Yeah. Tony Robbins. He just completely talks about meat the whole time. It's Carl Weathers. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Wait, we've just derailed. You know, I used to Peter Lorre. I used to confuse this movie and The Emperor's New Groove for absolutely no reason, and I hate The Emperor's New Groove. What? Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm something else. How can you hate The Emperor's New Groove? How could anyone like it? <gasps> It was a movie that by the time it came out, half of its uh, references were out of date. Not. 
Who doesn't want David Spade in an animated film? Me? I don't know where to take this. I've never seen either one of them. I didn't. I didn't love it or hate it. It's kind of like Hercules. I was like, me. Never seen that. How are you on this show? I've never seen any of the middling, shitty ass animated movies. Like, no, thank you. I'll see the major ones. Hercules might have been mid to low tier for Disney, but it it was still, by virtue of being Disney, a pretty big one. Yeah. Plus, it's Big Bad was basically a gay best friend with his hair on fire. He's not wrong. People want to say Lumiere was the first gay character. (laughs) Well, that was long before Hercules. Oh, was it? Was it? Oh, okay. I didn't know. Moving on. The 20th (laughs) Golden Raspberry Awards were held on March 25th at the Sheridan Hotel in Santa Monica, California. Robert Conrad, who played the lead role of James T. West in the 1960s television series The Wild Wild West, showed up at the ceremony as a way to express his disapproval with the film adaptation. He accepted three awards on behalf of the cinematic version of Wild Wild West, including Worst Picture. That's awesome. That is awesome, because that movie was a pile of dog shit. I, I will agree with you there. Yeah, that movie was a lot of awful. That was uh, Will Smith's first real fumble. Yeah, what, yeah. What, I forget, what did he give up to do that one? There was something... No, I, I thought it was a sequel to um, Men in Black. And then he later went on and did it. And he's like, okay, I'll go ahead and do this now. Maybe <laughs> I might be wrong, though. I, may, I, I'm, I might be thinking of something else. Yeah, he's had quite a few stumbles. Well, since then, but that was the first one, yeah. 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 All right, and finally in movies, the 72nd Annual Academy Award Ceremony took place on March 26th at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. American Beauty won five awards, including Best Picture. Other winners included The Matrix with four awards, The Cider House Rules, and Topsy Turvy with two. The telecast garnered almost 47 million viewers in the United States. Hmm. Interesting year. Those are all very different films. For yeah. sure. So TV, top shows in the land were Survivor, ER, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Friends. And Friends is lasting through a lot of these. (laughs) Yeah. It was on last week's, too. What did it have, like a 13-year run, I think? Yeah, 13, 14 years, something like that. Was it that long? Something like that. Maybe not. I don't don't know. I just threw out a number. (laughs) He's like, it was like 47 years? I don't know. It was long. Well, I didn't throw out that number because I know that number is ridiculous, Joel. Matthew Perry comes in in a walker. Could I be walking any slower? <laughs> Where's my pills? What are you supposed to be doing, Matt Smith? Matthew Smith? I, I don't even know. <laughs> Matt Smith. <laughs> Matt Smith. Jesus. Yes, I was trying to do Matt Smith. Well, it was a pretty good one. Yeah. It was a great Matt Smith, I'll tell you that. So uh, TV shows changing the subject that debuted this week included Making the Band, Wonderland, Call of the Wild, and MasterChef USA. MasterChef is still on the air. The rest are all gone. What the hell was Wonderland? That sounds familiar. Like, I think I might have seen that one. Uh, yeah, that I remember. It was a show about John Mayer. It's a show about John Holmes. Now, it's driving me crazy that I don't remember what it was. Your body is a wandering. No, I never saw this. This is uh, about couples on an apartment block in Australia's sunny Bondi Beach. Uh, nope. I think that's right, because that's 2013. Oh, you're right. So there must be... A different Wonderland? A medical drama. Ted Levine, Michelle Forbes, Michael Jai White, Billy Burke. Okay, I was right. I had seen Wonderland then. Okay. I like Michelle Forbes. Doesn't sound like a medical drama name. Wonderland? Yeah. Your ER is a Wonderland. (laughs) 
All right, so Helen Dorothy Martin was an American actress of stage and television whose career spanned over 60 years and is appearing first on stage and later in film and television. She's best known for her roles as Wanda on Good Times, as Pearl Shea on 227. She died of a heart attack on March 25th. She did not have good times in 227. Dude. On on that day. What? Go back to Absorb, man. (laughs) Absorbed. There, they're much better. Okay. And finally, in sports, sports, at the PGA Players Championship held March 27th at the TPC at Sawgrass, the 1983 champion Hal Sutton led wire to wire to win by one stroke ahead of Tiger Woods. And lastly, at WrestleMania 16, held April 2nd at Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim, California, Triple H beat The Rock, Mick Foley, and The Big Show in a four-way elimination match for the WWF Heavyweight Title. Wow. Hmm. Now nobody beats the rock. Except paper. <laughs> paper man. Does whatever a paper man can. Fold them up. Make a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to fight him. He's insane. Look out. For God's sake, play us off, keyboard Joel. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you people? Right. Watch out, he'll give a real bad cut. Oh, now you're just going to the line. Because he's paper man. Paper man? <laughs> question? Paper man? Paper man? The answer is no. Hey, hey, paper man? Where'd paper man go? Paper man? <laughs> Come help me, the rock is beating my ass. I'm I'm not. <laughs> no, paper beats rock. Oh, yeah. It's okay. No, he, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So the rock Scissor man is on the way. Scissor man, scissor man. Let's see if any other podcasts want to talk about high fidelity. So, in the year 2000, the guys who did Gross Point Blank decided to make another movie called High Fidelity. Same team. 2000 American romantic comedy drama. Film was based on a 1995 British novel of the same name by Nick Hornsby, with the setting moved from London to Chicago, and the name of the lead character changed. After seeing the film, Hornsby expressed his happiness with Cusack's performance, saying that at times it appeared to be a film in which John Cusack reads my book. Which is true. Yeah. Directed by Stephen Frears. Uh, John Cusack is in this one as Rob Gordon, Eben Higel as Laura, Jack Black as Barry Judd, Todd Luizzo as Dick. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Charlie Nicholson, Lisa Bonet as Marie DeSalle, Sarah Gilbert as Anog Moss, Lily Taylor as Sarah Kendrew, Joan Cusack, as they seem to go in pairs, as Liz, Tim Robbins as Ian, Ian. Joel Carter as Penny, Chris Russman as Vince, Ben Carr as Justin, Natasha Greg Wagner as Caroline, I don't know if we need... Uh, we got only got a couple. Natasha Gregson Werner as Caroline, Drake Bell as Rob, young Rob Gordon, and cameos by Bruce Springsteen, Ian Williams, and Al Johnson as Rekasorki. Rekasorki. Yeah, I think Drake Bell pretty much only gets the call out because later he's like Drake and Josh. Yeah, right. Should be on this one. This is the ninth film in which John Cusack and Joan Cusack have appeared together. The others are Class, 16 Candles, Grand View USA, Broadcast News, Say Anything, Gross Point Blank, The Cradle Will Rock, and War Incorporated. I didn't realize they had that many. I knew they had several. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, when I think of the the best, I'm honestly, out of all of them, the best interaction between the two of them, I think it's Gross Point Blank. 
Wait, she was in. Was it Better Off Dead where she was at the bottom of the hill? No, she was no. the girl with the braces. No, 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 no not her. Not. Oh, gosh, I'm misremembering things. The majority of flyers and stickers on the front of the register stand are bands from either Chicago or Chicago record labels, including Urge Overkill, Falling Walendas, Veruca Salt, and Liz Fair. These bands have members that are known to hang out in Wicker Park, one of the filming locations, the local bar, the Rainbow Club, where the proposal scene was filmed. And there's a poster in his back office of Julianne Hatfield's bed album. It's the wrong way, but it's there. What is it, not Julianne Hatfield? No, it's just, it's supposed to be... Uh, horizontal and it's vertical. Well, I was going to say it was facing the wall, but Joel still knew. <laughs> I did still know. <laughs> Poster, Joel, that's a whiteboard. Nope. Uh, Rob, sorry, Rob's sticker covered little black book is a Chandler's assignment notebook and a required item for every student in Evanston Township High School, John Cusack's alma mater. It's a nice little shout out. Yeah. Uh, vintage Vinyls, another record store mentioned in the film, is a real store out in Evanston, Illinois, uh, which is also John Cusack's hometown. During an October AV Club interview with Tim Robbins, he mentioned that he agreed to take small roles in High Fidelity and Anchorman, even though he knew he would be paid very little for them because they promised to make a custom wig for each of the roles, both of which he got to keep after filming ended. Robin said that he still owns both wigs as of 2019, and he often uses them in Halloween costumes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Great. What a strange thing for him to do, but that's funny. I know. So uh, I, I'm assuming it's not a first viewing for any of us. Absolutely no, not. No. Absolutely. no. And I mean, by the time the show goes live, it'll have been out for exactly 20 years. When I was working at Val's, when, this, when the book came out, the Nick Hornby book came out, it was required reading. Then when the movie came out, we did a tie-in with the Lake Theater. We did an entire window, and we were all required to read the book, and we all went and saw the movie. Yeah, it was it was kind of a big thing when it happened. Yeah, I have a unique experience with this movie because this was actually one month before my first daughter was born. When we went to go see this, you know, Suzanne was in the ending run of the pregnancy. Went there, great movie, loved it. And on the way home... One thing I remember this is, you know, we're talking about the movie and, you know, what did you think? I'm like, oh, it's good. She goes, but I'll tell you, man, I was having contractions through the whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, I almost drove off the goddamn road. I'm like, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you tell me? She's like, because I wanted to see the end of the movie. <laughs> that is a true trooper right there. That's funny. Yeah. Props to Suzanne. Oh, yeah. She's a. I'm, when I say I'm afraid of my wife, the childbirth thing is what makes me afraid of my wife. So there's something about record shops. It seems like a lot of us, the four of us, all had kind of a record shop. Val's was kind of central to us. There were a couple other record shops out by uh, college and all that that we went to. But what do you think on that, Joel, and looking at the way this has played out? I mean, I tried to jot some notes down because I was trying to think about what your question was. And yeah, I mean, there was secondhand tunes there was reckless records you know there's a jazz record bar there's a bunch of places in town but i think most of you guys kind of flocked to vals or or circulated through there because i worked there and i was there from 95 to 2001 you know the 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 book and the movie both get it pretty accurate i mean the 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 shitty customer service maybe not so much because val prided herself on having good customer service like the scene where the guy comes in and he's looking for i just called to say i love you val would have probably and and did in, in similar situations suggest other better songs or better albums when people would say, look for something like that, that she didn't feel was 
the best choice. And nine times out of 10, if that person came back, they usually said she was right. So, you know, that kind of thing did happen. And, and, you know, the, the whole aspect of them kind of being more than just employees, you know, they did stuff together. They hung out. I mean, to this day, I'm still, every person that worked there were like family. And when she passed, you know, we all were together in the hospice facility. There was nobody else there except family and, and us. So it's very accurate that it's a very close knit kind of thing. Cause you're spending a lot of time together and you're dealing with music, which is a very personal kind of thing. So yeah, Nick Hornby did a good job as far as getting, getting it right. Well, and that's like a half the story. Like it's obviously about the retail and about the music and the store itself. But I, I mean, it's also a lot about how guys, especially directionless, like failure to launch type guys use trivia and use deep esoteric knowledge of pop culture and whatever to cover a lack of emotional maturity. I mean, Rob, I don't think is a character that uh, is written to be liked. Like I understand him, but his character flaws are shit that hits really close to home. Yeah. yeah. Rewatching this with Laura. Cause you know, she, she's a fan too. We were watching it after it was done. I was like, wow, I don't remember Rob being that much of an asshole when I, read the book or saw it originally because I always felt I was somewhere between Dick and Rob as far as personality and how I was at the store. But yeah, he's, he's kind of an a-hole to be honest. Yeah. I, and I'm amazed that he didn't get slapped down more unless, unless the, well, I like one of my favorite scenes is when uh, L Johnson, the record store geek, he starts talking about them being prima donnas or something. It's like, you don't want to share this music with anybody who doesn't know as much as you. And they're like, no, no, no. And nobody knows as much as you. And they're like, yeah, you're right. You know, it's, I mean, that was kind of a, a cool little reflection on the, the personalities that were there. Yeah. And I think by the end, Rob realizes it. He's like, I, you know, I'm the fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Does he though? Yeah. I, I don't feel like he, there's much redemption. I, I don't know that he completely like self-actualizes. Yeah, I think he is dragged a couple steps in the direction of emotional maturity by the women in his life and doesn't give them credit for it. And the only time he ever really shows any real happiness is when he is absolved of, you know, any kind of deep thinking or feeling or anything. If he if he finds out something just, you know, gives him license or absolution, he's, you know, that's the only time he ever shows any real happiness. Yeah, there is no question that Rob is up his own ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. yeah. And I think that that is the thing is like, you can dislike Rob as a character, but I appreciate the story of presenting him without backing off of that. They don't say Rob is this way, but it's okay. And there's not a lot of kind of the the typical tropes, even though there is a happy ending. There's a feeling that, you know, maybe it'll still implode on itself. It's It doesn't have that kind of typical romantic comedy, if you want to call it that, sort of a playing out. As far as yeah. how, and how I, I don't think this ended with and they all lived happily ever after. No way. I mean, outside of of Dick and was it on? Uh, yeah. Anna. Uh, Anna. Yeah. Anna, yeah. The, those are the only two that, you know, maybe. And and I mean, um, and I don't even think they know how to be happy as people. So. <laughs> well, they're just two awkward kind of music geeks. And, I, you know, Barry, I think, probably went on to to do fine in the Chicago music scene, as did the Kinky Wizard. I, You know, I, I believe that Barry probably, being someone who, when I was that age, was a lot like Barry, I'd like to believe that Barry grew up quite a bit, looked back at the person he used to be, and was like, shit, why was I like that? I think you kind of see Barry's 
maybe not a 180 degree turn on this, but I think you see his change in what was it? What wasn't the the monkeys? Uh, <laughs> Sonic Death Monkey. Sonic Death Monkey. Like, well, when he when Rob's telling him, like, I will pay you 110 percent of the box if you do not show up. And he's like, no, man, we're Sonic Death Monkey. And when he gets there, I think him doing the Barry White or do I'm sorry, doing the let's get it on Marvin Gaye. Yeah, the Marvin Gaye was him a little bit of the acknowledgement of maybe I go too far sometimes. Well, when you think about the guy that he he hooked up with to be in his band, you know, the guy dressed and gave the impression that he was, you know, a pretty <laughs> hardcore He's... kind of metal guy. I thought it was a cameo from somebody from Soundgarden. For <laughs> Yeah, that's what he looked like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the fact that they're all dressed in suits and ties and they're doing a Marvin Gaye song and they're doing it pretty traditional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it shows kind of an interesting shift. Here's a question about this. Is this pre or is this after Tenacious D? Is this like the first time we've seen Jack Black sing? I mean, I'm sure Tenacious D might have been doing stuff, but this is definitely what brought the average person to knowing who Jack Black was at all. Yep. Yeah, I had no clue who he was. And when I saw the movie, I'm like, who the hell's this guy? And mm. then out of nowhere, he became this thing. I, I just looked up Tenacious D here. They have been active 1994 to now. So, yeah, just prior to this, he was already in, ensconced with Kyle. But and dude's got talent. He's slowly turning into Joe Barino. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Kyle or Jack? <laughs> Jack, 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 for sure. If you've seen him lately, uh, I saw where Mike was going with that. Scrolling back. Yeah, I mean, the previous, he was something in something called Johnny Skidmarks in 1998. And then he was in, uh, what was it, Laser something with a talking motorcycle and Owen Wilson. What? I'm I'm not joking. That sounds like a real winner. It's a real thing. I can't think of what it's called, though. Laser something. He was in Picket Fences. Oh, and uh, Mars Attacks. Remember, he was the uh, the gung-ho army guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, he yeah, was that... so tiny in that. He was in Picket Fences. Crazy. He's okay. So he's been around for a while. I, just, I think this may be the tough first time we've seen him like, We've seen him sing sing. But cool. Vision something. Yeah, definitely, though. Like, I don't remember anyone talking about Jack Black before this film. Right. One of the things I said to myself when I was watching this was like, over, I mean, literally, it's got to have been at least 15 years since the last time I've seen this. And about halfway through it, I was confused because in my mind, I guess I remembered liking Rob. But by halfway through this, I was like, I, I'm i with you, Josh. His head was up his ass through the whole movie. Well, the reason why we all liked Rob when we first saw this movie is because we were all much more like Rob when we first saw this movie and you know the whole like oh seeing yourself in the main character feels kind of cool and you relate to him and everything but then when you grow older and you watch this movie you have grown and you have changed but Rob hasn't and you're like yeah for sure and a lot of the things about Rob that are the way we were like him are not the parts of myself in my past I'm proud of yeah, exactly. And I'll be honest with you. I I mean, this is the third time I've seen this movie, and I did not enjoy it at all. I didn't find any of the characters redeemable, enjoyable, anything. I mean, especially Rob. I was like, I, was like, I hate this motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know. Dick's a good guy. I mean. Oh, I would not want to. I would not want to spend five minutes in a room with that guy. OK, <laughs> Dick was a good guy when he smashed in his head with the uh, with the air conditioner. I That's know. a great scene. But I mean, yeah, he's 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 definitely socially awkward and kind of hard to talk to. But 
he's not a bad guy with bad intentions. He's just looking for somebody. No, to... but you, you don't have to be a bad person to be boring. I mean, it's... Case in point. What? What? Huh? I don't think you know what case in point means. <laughs> when in Rome, Patrick, when in Rome. <laughs> I don't know. This was this was like I said, the third time I've seen this, and every single time I watch this, I like it less and less. See, I still enjoyed it, but I think the thing that made me really almost turn on Rob entirely was them telling the story once again about you know how he cheated on Laura when she was pregnant and lost the kid, and yeah. you're just like, wow, this guy really is a piece of crap. Yeah, that's, there's not a whole lot of redemption after that. Yeah, and, and he constantly falls back on the either my armor is that I'm too cool or I'm so sad that don't kick me anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's not a likable guy, but I appreciate that. He's an emotional manipulator, for one. For sure, 100%. And he's a narcissistic, for two. And he's a snob, for three. You know, I just, mm-hmm. there's just... Yeah, there's just not 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 a whole lot redeeming to this character, and he doesn't want to learn from anything. He just wants to he just wants to find reasons to accept himself for who he is. He do, he doesn't he doesn't have any desire to learn. He just wants to be absolved. It's funny for you. That's a negative for the film, and for me, it's a negative for the character, but a positive for the film. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who are like that, and you don't see a whole lot of that in movies. Yeah, that's that's just. I mean, just because something exists doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be glorified. I don't th- see, and that's the thing is, I I disagree that they glorify Rob. There are plenty of people watching this that, that will glorify. I mean, it's the same type of people. You know, I'm not saying the same type of people, but just like there are people that will watch Joker and glorify him, the type of people that will watch Fight Club and glorify Tyler Durden. It's like people that don't understand what a, what someone like that is trying to 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 symbolize or be in a movie, and they just take it the wrong way, and because they just don't get it. Well, yeah, just because people mistakenly say that Rorschach is a good personal emulate and they love Rorschach that doesn't make Watchmen a piece of shit as entertainment it's still well no I mean train spotting is a great movie even though there's people that emulate spud yeah but I'm not but I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's a piece of shit movie I'm just saying I didn't enjoy it I don't think the characters are any good you understand what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not saying like this is this is a shit movie and it shouldn't have been made I'm just saying it's a good movie with terrible people yeah I'll, I'll go with that Okay, and that, that, I guess, was the point I was trying to get at, is that, yeah, it's like these are not good people that I want to be like, and I'm sad for the times I was like, but that's the reason I kind of appreciate the movie is because it kind of breaks some of the tropes in a realistic way. Yes. That people are shitty in this specific way, especially people who are in pop culture, especially people who are in retail. Music. Or are super into music. Yeah, if you are super into music or even games or oh, I mean, there's movies, Rob, yeah. Rob lives in every one of our hobbies. Yes. You know, something else I was reading up on this is that what I found kind of bizarre is John Cusack, when doing it, they tried to... Hornsby's had a lot of internal monologue for the main character in the book. Yep. Um, not Hornsby, uh, Stephen Frears. No, no, yeah, Hornsby, I'm sorry. No, Nick Hornsby wrote the book. I'm, I'm screwing up the writer and the director. And they weren't sure initially how to do that. And they told John Cusack to break the fourth wall and talk to the camera in certain for the internal monologue. This is where I think this is kind of BS on the IMDb page or on the Wikipedia was John Cusack said that he really wasn't comfortable doing that, talking directly to the camera. I'm like, no, that's a lie. A third of all movies that he does, he talks directly to the camera. Better off dead. 
Yeah. yeah, he loves doing that. Yeah, that's like his thing. And it works for the film. I mean, it's it's a nice way to give you those moments that you can't necessarily translate from the book, which is an extremely British book, by the way, if you ever read it. It's good, but it's very British. And I think it's also a the the, the four, fourth wall breaking, I think, is a great swap out for narration. I don't know how much more we have to say about this. So I think Joel is actually pushing us in a really interesting direction to bridge to the break because the translation of the movie from the book showing how it kind of warps things. If you say, okay, this is extremely British, but now let's take it and put it in America. Then we have in the now, it's like, let's take the American film and see how all of the same aspects change and they really do change when you change the gender of the main character. It's not just a one for one. Hey, this is Rob, but a chick and nothing else changes. Mm-hmm. Well, and then what happens when you take aspects of the book and the film, stretch it out into 10 episodes and then potentially lead it into a multiple season series? For sure. I am i don't know if anyone else has anything to say about the movie, but with that kind of bridge, I'm kind of excited to go to the break and then to see what our thoughts are on the series. I am going to toss this in there that the soundtrack is fantastic. Well, yes. Oh, sure. They nail the music. If you guys are interested, Laura sent me the Spotify soundtracks, the full ones Ooh. for the, the current series and the original that includes the everything. And uh, yeah, they're both pretty amazing. Nice. I will say as far as the music goes, I didn't care for Marie DeSalle's music, but other than that, the rest of the soundtrack was good. The Lisa Bonet character didn't care for her music. Yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a... It's a, it's a track on an album that is sung by a character in the movie, not an actual. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just saying like the whole, like them being mesmerized by her singing. I was like, meh. Yeah, I didn't quite. Well, they were mesmerized because that's what the script needed. <laughs> it's... That was Frampton. Guitar's talking, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to be back in a little bit, and we are going to talk about on uh, 2019's uh, High Fidelity. Just a little bit. No, last year. It's last month. I don't know what it is anymore. I lost my calendar. I'm yeah, lost. yeah, it dropped on uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, oh, it did. So in 2020, not 2019, like I said before, apparently I forgot what year it was. Um, Jeffrey Renner started directing the High Fidelity TV show that just came out on Hulu like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Now, I looked him up on why we would know his name. He has been the director on multiple things that we have seen outside of this, but he's done a episode of Electric Dreams, an episode of Fargo, 12 Monkeys, Homeland something called The Event, and goes all the way back to that Dragnet remake that I was talking about along, and uh, 1993, Mar- Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, he did four episodes, so. Jeez. <laughs> I know. That's a weird, weird catalog. I know, right? right? Also, some Andrew DeYoung, Natasha Leone, Shioki Nasor, and Jesse Pertez, uh, also directors on these. There are seven, what, 12 episodes? Which it's nice that they, uh, when I noticed Natasha Leone's name in the credits when I was watching it, I was like, that ties in nicely with our uh, Groundhog Day slash Russian doll. Yeah, yeah. 
so uh, moving on, we have got a bunch of different writers for just about every every single episode. Uh, and main characters in this, Zoe Kravitz as Robin Rob Brooks, owner of Championship Vinyl. Jake Lacey as Clyde. Divine Joy Randolph as Charisse, an employee there also. And David H. Holmes as Simon Miller, who is uh, Rob's, other's best, Rob's other's best friend and heartbreak story number three. So we got some recurring characters. We got Kingsley Benadier as Russell Mac McCormick, the latest ex-boyfriend who broke her heart in Heartbreak Story number five. Rainbow Sun Frankness. Frank Frankus? Frank Frankus? Just Franks. 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 Just Franks. Cameron Brooks, Rob's brother. Nadine Malouf as Nikki Brooks, uh, Rob's sister-in-law, and Edmund Donovan as Blake. Guest stars. They got some guest stars in this one. Parker Posey as Noreen Parker as an artist who wants to sell her husband's vinyl collection. Clark Furlong as Kevin Bannister, Rob's Heartbreak Story number one from middle school. Ivana Stocco as Kat Monroe. Justin Silver as Justin Kitt. Thomas Doherty as Liam. Jack Anatoff as himself. And Debbie Harry as herself. And a fun little cameo, kind of like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Some trivia on this one. Zoe Kravitz's mother, Lisa Bonet. From the original High Fidelity. Which was kind of weird going back and watching the, the original film. I was like, this is weird. Because, <laughs> you know, she definitely looks like her mom. Oh, yeah. And originally announced for Disney's Disney Plus service. It was reported in April in 2019. They're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't put this on. Yeah, maybe all the drugs and nudity. Probably not best to go right next to the Little Mermaid. <laughs> right? Probably not. <laughs> So I'm curious, Josh, you had let in with this talking on the last half of the show, the first half of the show, the gender swap on this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have dragged a lot of remakes that play with the gender going, especially from male to female. But like I dug it because they say, okay, let's take some things we know. Rob owns a record store. Rob is a fucking mess and kind of an asshole. Rob's uh, relationships fall apart. But like this changes the like toxic masculinity piece. Rob is an asshole, but in a completely different way from the original Rob and how individual situations show up. Like uh, when Rob actually meets the new fiance there, they handle things completely differently. And I, I, I was digging just the way you change that piece and how it completely alters the story. It's, it's a bigger alteration, I think, than having smartphones or a bigger alteration than Chicago to New York. Mm. I think it works. I think this took what the original was trying to do and did it so much better. I don't think it as much as better as they they did a good job of altering the like Josh says, you know, the previous one, he was an asshole. And this one, she's kind of a talk she's kind of toxic you know she's yeah she is kind of an asshole yeah she's kind of an asshole too but it's in you're right it is and is in a different way i mean you almost have a little bit of sympathy for her in the first episode where her current boyfriend's leaving and then about halfway through that episode you're like you know he might have made the good choice there both characters are uh selfish i mean you've got they they want to be like you said before they want absolution of their previous sins on that. And you kind of, I think you kind of see it the most when they're talking to 
uh, I forget the name of the character in the first one, but with the the they go back to the ex boyfriend girlfriend whose life is just trash right now. Like the 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 Lily Taylor role, yeah, yeah, the stand up comedian for this one. And it's not like, oh man, you know, this guy's life really went to crap after we broke up. It's like, man, I dodged. It, it wasn't. I feel sorry for you. It was man, I dodged a bullet. Man, this is, you know, not. I don't know, just a very self-absorbed responses to both of those. For sure. I mean, there's no sympathy for what happened to this guy's life. There's just relief that she wasn't at fault. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I'm absolved. I I don't have to take any responsibility for this one because I I was the dumper. I wasn't dumped. That's awesome. Again, I have a lot of problems with this character. Um, I don't think changing it, you know, from a male to a female changed any of the asshole qualities, like you said. So, I mean, it just... By the third episode, I was already just kind of over the the show, the character, the whole high fidelity concept. I was like, all right, I I watched like half of the fourth episode. I was like, I'm done. Really? Huh. Yeah. I, I just. Oh. I mean, I I got highly annoyed in the third episode by the whole. Oh, you're. It's a pet peeve of mine right now that everybody wants to call themselves an overthinker. It drives me fucking crazy. It's like you're not an overthinker because you know you you think about the same thing over and over and over again. That means you're obsessive. Like, uh, you know, you're not thinking, you're just constantly thinking about the same thing. That's not like, you know, you're not doing any, like, wonderful, groundbreaking thinking. You just don't know how to solve whatever the problem is in your head, so you're obsessing. Yeah, I just, I just, I hate this whole, everybody wants to call themselves an overthinker now. It's like, no, just, just because you get one little thing stuck in your head that you can't get out, that doesn't mean you're an overthinker. Well, and I think that's a way of trying to soften the blow when, talking about herself or to herself like yeah being obsessive being crazy being an ass about it getting stuck on this mental emotional stunted piece that she can't get past kind of trying to i don't know mitigate or make herself feel better about the whole thing by just oh well i'm just thinking about this too much i'm kind of coming back to that i'm a huge intellectual piece Mm -hmm. and i'm just of the ilk that i heard the belief that well, you're not. You're you're not an intellectual just because you obsess about something that doesn't make you an intellectual. And I do think that that's actually one of the themes of both the movie and the show is like there isn't inherent virtue in just being able to do a deep dive on anything, whether it's music, movies, whatever. Like we want to say, oh, well, this is something I'm awesome because I can do this. It, it doesn't it's not wallpaper for your personality flaws. Yeah, and I, I can't stand, you know, the attitude that a lot of, you know, the characters in these types of movies have or this type of life or whatever that, you know, because you don't enjoy something the way I enjoy it, your your enjoyment and your love is invalid. I, I, I hate that attitude. Yeah, I do think they're a little self-aware of that, especially in this, when they're like... Yeah, they're better at it in this movie, yeah, or this show than in the original movie, for sure. Joel, you read the book. Yeah. And one thing that wasn't in the movie but was in the series is the whole wife getting rid of the shitty husband's record collections and the moral dilemma that comes with, can you buy all these amazing, rare records for a pittance just to hurt somebody who cares about this music? And is music only for you if you're a good person or is music for everybody even if you're a terrible asshole? The Parker Posey episode. I loved it. And I loved hearing that it was a big part of the book that we didn't get to see in the movie. Well, and I, I, it's been so long since I read the book that I didn't remember what was in the book and what wasn't, to be honest, because I read the book in 95. All I remember about the book specifically is that it was really dry and very all the references were 
British based. There wasn't a lot of Americanism to it, which made it a little hard to read because at the time I was still kind of new to a lot of that stuff. But I, I, I'm a little disappointed. I'm I'm glad you watched what you did, Pat. But we just we burned through all ten episodes, and I just I I fell in love with it. And at at first, like Charisse's character, I was like, wow, you know, I I didn't care for Jack Black's either. But hers, I was really kind of turned off to initially. And by the end of it, I was behind her. And Simon, that I, as much as I, I relate to Dick, I love Simon. And I love that he got his own, his own episode. Well, and Simon and Sharice get a lot of more, a lot more room to breathe than there are analogs in the film, just because of the 10 episodes rather than two hours. Yeah. You get, you get a lot more time to spread their characters out. Cause initially, I, when I, first started watching it i was not really down with charise the first like the first two maybe three episodes i was not it wasn't until god maybe three or four when i was like okay i can she's not grating on me anymore it's not like just someone trying to doing a bad impersonation of jack black is what i was afraid that was going to turn out to be and clyde i you see a lot of character development in Clyde and a lot of it is in speaking truth to, to uh, Robin, to Rob, especially when they're waiting in line. I forget. It was like maybe episode eight or nine where they're waiting in line at the coffee shop. Oh, you're, you're thinking of Simon. Clyde was uh, ah. Plop's character from the office. Yeah. So, um, but uh, when they're in the, when they're in line at the coffee shop and he's like, Rob, I haven't changed the way I, when he, when he, he she tells him that he's one of, one of his, uh, her, her breakups. And he's like, why? My, the way I react to you, the way I interact with you, the way I treat you has not changed. It's like, don't make me one of, on your list. I don't want to be on your list. You know, and then when she goes to talk to Mac, he goes up to uh, his apartment and he's like, what do you want from me? He's like, I, we broke up. I'm marrying somebody else. What do you want? And he didn't give her that. It's not, he, she wasn't able to walk out of there with thinking it's, it, it, I'm absolved of this. I like the uh, those two character films with telling the truth to Rob in the time, in the uh, show. Well, there was a lot more. There was a lot more to dig into. And Jake Lacey's character, who was kind of her on and off again throughout the entire series. Um, he I mean, here's a guy that really was a good guy, wanted the best for her, wanted that relationship. And she was so self-absorbed that she couldn't see it. And then when she finally sees it, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. And it was a nice thing that that you really didn't see in the movie. And I, I think even if they had tried to add that aspect, you you needed those ten episodes to stretch out and kind of get that that character development in there. And I think the part where I really started to just love Sharice's character, I, I enjoyed her a lot more after like the third or fourth episode, third or fourth episode. But when she finally got the guitar, and you kind of get this sense that she's kind of got this armor of her personality to kind of keep people away. She wants those people. She wants that attention. And you kind of start to see that break down and you see that there's, you know, a person behind that, that really is trying to be who she says she is, but she's so kind of out there and bold that it's hard to see past that sometimes. And it's, it's really, it's a really well-written show. Yeah. People can't hurt you if you'd never let them get close enough to like you hurt them first. So they won't get too close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's definitely all Cherise. And Simon just is a, a great character, just a full three-dimensional character. And and the whole thing with the record collection was interesting because, you know, you, you see Rob as this 
she is kind of self-absorbed and selfish and an a-hole. But then when it comes down to that, she understands that, like you guys were saying, even if you're an a-hole, you still can appreciate somebody else's love of, of something. And that guy truly was, a, you know, a, a music lover. Yeah. And a horrid cesspool of a person. And that's one of the moments where you're just like, this is something that's genuine about Rob. She believes in the music so much that no matter how awful this dude is, she can't do that to anybody. Yep. So, yeah, I, I was definitely down with the series. And I also love Cat Monroe, the Charlie analog. Oh, God. As the uh, Instagram influencer where her whole life is fake. Yeah, that was a great. That whole sequence was just I, okay. I just I was like, I wanted to punch every one of those people at that party at the very end where she's like, you think I live here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, even her her apartment is is fake. Yeah. Yeah. Nice update to that that whole character. And actually, uh, I, I believed more in Cat Monroe as a real person that could be out there than I ever did in Charlie. I mean, I've known people like Charlie, but yeah, Cat definitely is is a good modern analog for that for people that really exist. And watch, I watched the movie midway through the series, and I was like, you know, I forgot they left all these this stuff out. So it sounds like, from what it looks like, that there there is going to be a second season, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. I, I'm glad we did this, if for no other reason than, uh, yeah, I'm sad but not surprised that uh, Pat didn't get into it. But like this, this is a thing for me. Like if they do another season, I'm going to watch it for sure. Did you make it all the way through, Mike? Uh, I made I made it two thirds of the way through. I haven't stopped watching it, but I, you can only take so much of miserable people being miserable and then by the end of it you're like oh my god i can't handle you know how i i couldn't handle it i think i watched like eight episodes in a row did you get to her brother's last hurrah at mm. the bar with his uh the hammer no i did oh, not i dude. haven't gotten that point yet so I, i'm but i'm going back yeah to finish it out because that that was this come because I've been at that party where everybody's drunken on coke and everybody there's just this raw like playing on a nerve mm. going on and no one wants to admit it. Yeah, there there was a lot of very real. I mean, the whole thing, a lot of very real stuff going on. It's very well done. And we haven't talked about him yet, but uh, the the 19 year old singer songwriter that was the Lisa Bonet analog. Oh, uh, Liam. Liam, yeah, I, I don't know about that. Once dude. again, very underwhelmed by his mu- by the music that we're supposed to love from this person. <laughs> I mean, it was a little bit more understandable because he had a nice voice when they walked in and he was singing. Well, Lisa Bonet has a nice voice too. I just didn't care for the the, the uh, arrangement. Oh, and I liked the arrangement. Uh, it was what Backstreet Boys. That's it. Yeah, it was. Um, I'll make love to. Make yeah, love to you. yeah, boys to men. Oh, boys, boys to men. men. Boys to men. You're right. I, I believed a little bit more in the series than I did in the movie. But yeah, her kind of wanting to live out that rock star lifestyle, you know, being in, in the you know, lover of music and owning a record store and wanting to to have that fling with a rock star and that she has it and realizes, you know, it's it's not what it's cracked up to be. Hmm. Plus he was nineteen and she was thirty. Well, right. almost yeah. thirty. And he is by no fault of his own, just the circumstances of his life kind of doing to her what she does to everyone. Like she's, he wants her to be a priority, at least while she's right in front of him. But like his life does not allow her to be any meaningful part of his life. Yeah. And that's kind of the way she has everybody. 
Mm. And she kind of gets what she's been dealing out in a lot yeah, of ways. for sure. But, you know, you see at the heart of her that there is a good person there. And I think with Rob in the movie, you kind of get a glimpse of that a little bit with Kinky Wizards. But here, especially with the guitar, where I, I have a feeling that I don't think they ever said for sure, but it, it felt like maybe she sold her her copy of the Bowie record to be able to buy the guitar. I, they, they never say that, but that's kind of the impression I got. And, you know, that was kind of a self selfless act. So that's what happens to the Bowie record. I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say Mike hasn't gotten that far. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's not. Yeah, story. and I'm so drunk right now, I'm not going to remember any. <laughs> you know, it's not like talking about Avengers Endgame before you've seen it. Wait, when did Endgame come out? <laughs> Next year. Oh, okay, cool. No, yeah. I, I, I like, I liked it, but what I will tell you this is, after I finished the eight in a row, I turned it off, and when my wife came back from work, from home for work, I was like, I am so glad I don't have to date anymore. Yes. Yes, that's one of the things I told Laura, too. I was like, holy crap, I'm glad I'm out of the dating scene. <laughs> like, holy crap, I thought it was complicated then. What the hell? I am just... Think about it right now. If you were just starting a new relationship and you were doing it through internet, you're like, hey, let's go... Oh, oh no. Uh, let's go to dinner. No. Um, what do you want to do? Well, we could talk on Skype. Well, that's kind of happening with... I'm watching that happening with my kids right now, too, because... So. Had the the boyfriend was over one last time before everything hit the fan and everything else. But I did find out that like his sister's boyfriend decided to go to the mall and their mom found out about it. And now he can come over, but they can't. They have to sit on the other sides of the of the uh, living room from each other. His own damn fault, really. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it sounds like we're winding down a little bit. Yeah, I uh, think we are. I, and I, while it's obvious, it is tradition. I do the thumbs up, thumbs down. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's both a huge surprise. Patrick. Yeah. Uh, thumbs down on both. Not because I think that they're badly done or anything. It's just I just did not enjoy watching any of them. I mean, as far as like the Sharice character, just to give my two cents on that, you know, my niece, my oldest niece is the Sharice character. So I, you know, I live that. I don't need to watch it on screen. The Rob character in both versions is just a shitty person that I couldn't really care much about. I don't know. I just, I mean, it's not that the performances were bad. I just didn't like any of the characters and I just didn't, I don't know. I'm never going to watch the rest of these. And I'm never going to watch High Fidelity, the movie again. If you can't give a shit about what happens to the characters, it's hard to enjoy the story. I get yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not my experience. I, obviously, I'm a big thumbs up on both, but I get it. Yeah. I'm a thumbs up on both. I mean, again, I'm able to watch a movie about people that I don't like. Yeah. You know, and it was interesting for me to remember, for, because like I said, with the whole night of watching the movie stuck out in my head from what happened after we left. But it n noticing my reaction to the characters from then to now, I think, was really interesting for me to, to pay attention to. I still like the movie. I don't like the people half as much as I did after I finished watching it. But I, I think I'll go thumbs up, thumbs up. And, I, you know, this is one of the first times, I think, when we've done it then and now. You know, there's been instances where we've seen stuff and we're like, wow, that's not what I remembered as a kid. But seeing this as seeing it as a pseudo adult to now seeing it as an adult with kids and the family and everything, I'm still a thumbs up on the original, but I saw it through very different eyes. And the the series, absolutely two thumbs up. And I'm not, not really familiar with Zoe Kravitz as an actress, but I give her a lot of credit. She she carried the show along with a you know great supporting cast. So definitely thumbs up. 
I also thought it was cool when she went to go see the 19-year-old singer. She was wearing a t-shirt with her dad's face on it. <laughs> I did not see That's that. pretty cool. I didn't notice. I didn't notice that. Yeah, she had a Lenny Kravitz. Like, it looked like that's all she was wearing. She had like on a t-shirt dress that had Lenny Kravitz on it. Oh, I thought that was Bob Marley. Was it? I don't know. I was drunk, too. <laughs> I mean, you know. Anyway. Now I don't remember. Yeah. So what do we got on tap for next week? Uh, we're going to do 37 in a row. You have to clarify that. Oh, well, we're talking about Kevin Smith movies. Okay. We're doing the Kevin Smith show. Otherwise, people are going to think we're going to video, and I don't want that. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what he's talking about. But uh, yeah, uh, if you have your thoughts on anything we've said about any of this, uh, High Fidelity, or got opinions on any of our upcoming shows or episodes that you've listened to while trapped in your house with nothing else to do, let us know. Give us your thoughts. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, again, older stuff, Blueberry Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and pay attention to the Facebook page. I'm going to be posting a bunch of old shows as uh, time goes on and we are stuck in our homes. So we can be with you all the time. Top five episodes of 40 going on 14. Go. (laughs) Peter Pan. No. The the Fear Show. Oh, God. But uh, everybody, thank you for listening, and I hope you are all doing all right and are staying safe out there. And uh, we will be back next week with some uh, 34 in a row, just for Joel. 37. Night is young. Try not to suck any dick on your way to your parking lot, Joel. Should we totally piss off Matthew and Leprechaun show? (laughs) (laughs) If we got a lot of demand to do the Leprechaun show, so. (laughs) I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd have to watch Leprechaun, that would almost be worth it. Right. That would be, I'm sure I get a phone. (laughs) I mean, that's the only reason I'd even consider it.